Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today we're speaking with guest expert Laura Frazier. Laura is an American journalist, essayist, memoirist, and travel writer. Her first book, Losing It, False Hopes and Fat Profits in the Diet Industry, tracks the chronology and culture of dieting in society. Let's hear what she has to say about the French pharmaceutical diet pill scandal. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Rebecca. So before we dive in, uh, you know, to discussing your research and the history of diets and our obsession with weight, I'd love to know what drew you to the topic. Well, I have a kind of um, horrendous history with dieting, like a lot of women, particularly in this country. Um, but I was dieting from an early age. My parents were really obsessed with um, me not getting fat. Um, so much so that when I was like seven years old, my dad said, if you keep eating like a pig, we're going to have to build you a trough. Wow. And lo and behold, the next day, instead of a plate at my place, there was a little red pig trough. <laughs> Gosh. Which everyone in my family thought was hilariously funny. Um, and everyone I tell, you know, outside my family thinks is just short of child abuse. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then and then I ha I had an eating disorder, you know, of course. And 
And I guess once I had sort of recovered from that, I felt like I have wasted so much of my life and my time thinking about weight that I really want to dive into why our culture is so obsessed with weight and how the diet industry, um, you know, perpetuates that. In your research, how has the way that humans view weight changed in the last hundred years? So about a hundred years ago, or perhaps a little bit more, weight wasn't necessarily considered such a bad thing. It was more like a sign that, you know, you're going to survive the famine. Um, There already was sort of a style of being thinner in Europe, but Americans were really, um, you know, happy and and to, to be, you know, somewhat plump. And a lot of our you know, actresses and icons like Lillian Russell were, you know, what we would now consider to be heavy. And so what happened was a lot of things happened at once with the Industrial Revolution, first of all, because of transportation, refrigeration. A lot more people were able to have a ready supply of food, and it became easier for people who, you know, hadn't had food to to become plump. And then the other thing that happened was there was a, a wave of immigration um, from people who are, you know, ethnically a little shorter and rounder than the white Europeans. So it was almost like a racist response to um, different body types. So it's it's it became more fashionable to be thin. Um, especially in the upper classes, it was, and there was a perversion to it was like, you know, the wealthier you were, the, the least you needed, the less you needed food. Um, so much so that I think the grapefruit diet was invented during the depression. So there's this, this total perversion of people not having enough to eat and the upper classes doing all they can to really distance themselves physically from the working classes and from non-white people uh, by becoming thin. I'm in shock. I had not even thought of that perspective. Could you could you tell us um, some uh, about some of the first diet scams that started? I guess around the 19th century. Yeah. So, and what's interesting is they just keep coming around. Like there was this um, uh, pesticide that people took to lose weight because it did just sort of burn, burn up your body. And, you know, if you look on the internet, people are still like, you know, using that pesticide to lose weight. I think the super low carb diet showed up early on. There was also something called banting, which was <laughs> chewing your food, you know, 18,000 times before you um, swallow so that that would keep you from getting fat because it just took so long to eat. Fasting was a was a thing early on. And fasting has sort of a lot of weird religious roots, you know, in this. So there was this gets combined with the idea that being thin makes you closer to God, basically. Denial, um, all of these puritanical themes come out 
with with dieting. So, you know, people have been trying stuff, uh, you know, to lose weight for for ages. And a lot of it has over over the years been dangerous. Um, you know, people have died drinking dieters tea, um, which contains uh, a laxative called senna. If you eat, drink enough of it, I mean, a lot of it, um, I think it can dehydrate you and, and you can die. And then, of course, you know, people have died taking like Karen Carpenter, Ipecac um, syrup that makes you vomit. Um, and that can lead to a heart arrhythmia and heart attack as it did with Karen Carpenter, you know, and then bulimia. One of the things I found out in my research, I thought bulimia was kind of modern. I thought it had shown up in the eighties. Um, Cause I remember when I was, you know, first bulimic, nobody knew what that meant. Um, I remember because I'm so old going to uh, a shrink at that, at the college where I, I went to and talking to, to her about it. And, you know, they didn't even have, they were calling it, you know, bulimorexia at the time. They didn't even know what it was. So it, it was just the dark ages. But when I was doing research, I found out that in fact, bulimia first started, um, around the 1920s when women were trying to get the sort of thin flapper body, you know, it was a, the 1920s were really interesting in terms of women's bodies because the flapper body was a very sort of lean, straight physique, which kind of ironically for women at the time was a symbol of liberation that they could wear shorter skirts, that they didn't have to wear corsets, that they could move more freely. And yet that symbol of liberation became, you know, its own type of constraint as women, you know, tried to do anything to get thinner and thinner to fit into, you know, these, these um, physical ideals and mm. flapper dresses fashion industry, huh? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so in, in the case of diet pills, uh, could you give us some history behind their uh, rise to, I guess, fame is not the right word, but their growth in the public? Sure. Well, first of all, people discovered in the 1950s that, that amphetamines took weight off very efficiently. So you had all of these, you know, housewives, you know, high on meth all the time and zipping around their houses, vacuuming as fast as they could. <laughs> um, and then of course, you know, to get to sleep, you have to take it down. So there were all these women addicted to amphetamines in the 1950s, which, um, you know, I think probably had a, a curious effect on not only them, but their children. So amphetamines were big. And, you know, after they were sort of outlawed as something that you could get easily, some other drugs came along. One of them was called fentermine. Actually, when I, when I, my book first came out, um, it came out coinciding with a diet pill scandal at the time, which was, um, the fenfen diet scandal. So that's fentramine and, and dexamphloramine. And what happened was 
when I when I wrote my book, Losing It, I looked at European studies on dexfenfluramine. And what had happened was that a lot of people got something called primary pulmonary hypertension. And that's a really nasty disease. Um, and a lot there were fatalities. And so at the time, the drug companies were trying to push through the exact same drug with the FDA. And they were hiring all these obesity experts to say that, uh, you know, obesity can kill you. Well, when I looked at this, the data of some of those obesity experts, there's something called p-value in scientific studies, and you have to reach that value for it to be significant, um, like it has meaning. And it turns out that a lot of the studies that they were using, even by you know well-known researchers like Joanne Manson at the Harvard School of Public Health, were relying on data that did not reach a level of significance. So, so in that case, for example, they were they were saying that you know people who had a BMI body mass index of like twenty five and up, it, which is just mildly overweight, like you know who doesn't have a BMI of twenty five and up, that they could basically be eligible for these drugs. Well, if you looked at the data, it turned out that the increased mortality from obesity didn't show up until a BMI of like 32, so much heavier. And and we know now, in fact, that mild overweight, as they call it, is actually protective of a lot of diseases. And so, you know, they were basically making up this risk in order to say that the benefit of this drug would be, you know, would outweigh, you know, the potential risks, which of course they didn't. And the FDA passed the drugs and lo and behold, people got primary pulmonary hypertension, just like they did in Europe. And they, you know, these were people who were not, not that, um, not that heavy. So, you know, the diet industry, you know, has all, has been in cahoots with the pharmaceutical companies. You look at the experts on the boards of of, you know, Weight Watchers and other diet companies. And, you know, they're the same people who are also working for pharmaceutical companies to, to try to get these drugs passed. Because dieting, whether it's um, with medical solutions or with, you know, Noom or Weight Watchers or whatnot, is just a huge, huge industry. Billions of dollars, something like, and I can't quote you the exact figure because it's a while since I wrote my book, but something like, you know, $60 billion a year. I remember at the time it was bigger than the GNP of Ireland. So, you know, it's just this, and, you know, it's just such a crazy industry because in what other industry, if, if the product doesn't work, it's your fault. <laughs> wow. And there have been so many studies that that you know dieting in the short term, meaning basically starving yourself. If you if you do that, you will put the weight back on. I mean, your body is just screaming to be fed, and psychologically, you're feeling deprived, and so you want to you know eat. It's 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 a whole. It's overdetermined that you'll gain the weight back. Um, which is not to say that some people lose weight, you know, and keep it off. But the people who do overwhelmingly are people who make, you know, bigger lifestyle changes. They start, 
you know, becoming active, they start eating more vegetables and eating less, you know, processed foods and so forth. And it's a longer term situation. But the fact is that not everybody is meant to be thin. And it's encouraging that we now have some role models of women who are bigger and are, you know, proud of it, like Lizzo um, and, and uh, you know, and, and a bunch of other younger women and, and, you know, Black women in particular have had a super positive influence on um, body image in American culture. Yeah. Uh, well, in our episode, we mentioned that the, um, well, we were talking more specifically uh, about the European uh, market, um, but we, we mentioned that the Euro- European diet pills market is projected to grow from approximately 300 million in 2021 to 1.4 billion in 2028. Does, I mean, th- wow. it sounds like this projection might seem might actually be accurate based on on the data you collected. I mean, my my dad is old, but I think that as long as there's a market for diet pills, you know, people are going to people are going to take them because people still get judged by their weight all the time. Yeah, during your research in the research in your book, you you said you went undercover as a as a patient I to did. visit Okay. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like? Well, it's interesting. I'm five six, and at the time, I weighed 155 pounds, which is like pretty normal. That's pretty healthy. Um, yet everywhere I went, uh, people insisted that I I needed to get down to like 135 pounds. I've been 135 pounds since I was like 12, you know, and. And they were, you know, I remember one diet diet doctor wanted to give me, you know, B vitamin injections and pills. I mean, it was just all about making money. The kind of thing that you see, the pill mills that you see with these days with opioids and whatnot. And, you know, no one had any hesitation about prescribing these kinds of potentially dangerous pills to me. Just no, you know, they, they, everybody was like, yeah, take them. And the other thing was everyone was just so condescending. Whoa. Tronizing. You know, I remember the doctor saying, oh, do you have a sit down job, darling? You know, because because of my big ass, I guess. And, you know, Jenny Craig, there's the, the, the just the, oh, you have to, don't you want to make this work for you? And don't you, can you just imagine how great you're going to feel when you're thin? It's like they're, it's like getting thin magically makes you a different person with with no problems, and it doesn't. You know, I've <laughs> I've lost weight before, and it's like, well, I'm the same person. You know, I'm still I still scream in traffic. You know, <laughs> <laughs> nothing happens. You lose some weight, your jeans are looser. Nothing happens. I mean, sure, it's good to eat healthily. It's good to get exercise. But this notion that there's something out there that we can take that's going to make us thin, you know, is very, very appealing and often dangerous. And, you know, it just doesn't work that way. So uh, we always ask our guest experts this question. Um, At the end of the day, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame, particularly 
here we were discussing uh, the weight loss pharmaceutical drug scandal that happened in France, but it could be really the pharmaceutical industry uh, involving uh, diet, dieting and, and, and obesity. Who or what would that be? I, I think at the root of our obsession with thinness, it's, um, you know, misogyny, racism and classism. Just all all bound up in one. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a pretty broad answer. Um, and you know, then there's all kinds of people who are wanting to profit off, you know, that desire to be thin. And it's it's Noom, it's Weight Watchers, it's the pharmaceutical companies, it's you know, people selling powders on Facebook. It's 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 a huge market that people exploit. Well, Laura, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and for sharing your story and all of your uh, research. Um, It's been very enlightening. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Have a great day. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. 
Hello. And fact checker, Chris Smith. Hi. It's 2023, and I'm sure everyone's talking about their New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. And yeah. perhaps we can uh, eliminate diet pills yes. from the equation. Yeah. Don't be tempted by all of those um, gym and diet things that you are surely being inundated with. Sure. I mean, maybe gym if you want to go. Gym. Yeah, go go to the gym. Uh, but it was just fascinating talking to Laura um, and you know, learning about the uh, our our concept as a society of weight and how that's changed. Um, right. It's good to remind her that thin does not necessarily equal healthy, right? Like, yes, right. And and, and also, um, I was blown away when she started um, putting together how this obsession with thinness came about after you know a huge um, immigration, uh, ch- you know, poor and and the industrial revolution. So all of that combined together, kind of you know it's like racism <laughs> and mm-hmm. <laughs> right and uh, uh accessibility just yeah. made it like oh you know what this is it, this is the preferred body type she said something that made me think uh of you rebecca because mm-hmm. one of your favorite culprits we didn't talk about she said that thin was in fashion and i, I thought do we put fashion industry on the board because the fashion industry is all about I mean, it, at least traditionally, it's changed recently, but it's all about the thin supermodel, right? Totally. Yeah. What an oversight. And she was saying that in the 20s, that leanness is a symbol for liberation and you could wear mm-hmm. certain things, certain short skirts and certain, um, you know, different kind of outfits and stuff, I guess, to make yourself look like, um, I don't know, cool or something. <laughs> but... Um, Fashion industry maybe should have been on the board. I feel like we let one slip there. Yeah, what were we thinking? We obviously <laughs> we were not well that day. <laughs> it's definitely well, a broader uh, culprit when we're speaking specifically about this pharmaceutical or not uh, drug right. company, rather. Right. Yeah, but, like I think it deserves some kind of mention because it definitely plays a part. You see it everywhere. You know, they're selling a certain body type, oftentimes, and how do you attain? that look well by dieting and here's comes the drug company with the solution. I think you're right. I think when we were talking about this scandal, we were really focusing more on the medical aspect versus the culture of dieting, which is what Laura really made us think about Mm -hmm. Um, and, and why, why we're obsessed with obesity and why we, we are, fooled when doctors tell us that you know a bmi like she was saying a bmi of 25 is is you know you're in you're in the red zone here right 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 yeah Um, that was that was really disturbing um when she was talking about that research and about how basically um these doctors or whoever were putting out this thing that you know, was really not a big deal. They were saying that these people who are just a little bit overweight were available for this diet pill and maybe should take it. And it obviously mm. it, we found out that it put them in way more danger than they were if they were, it, they were in no danger. Yeah. Perfectly healthy, perfectly healthy people right. that were made to think that they were in danger. This is why it's important too, where you're constantly like with, like with the opioid crisis, like who is in bed with who, who is like, 
influencing totally. or paying off doctors or regulators or companies for the benefit of their own bottom line. It's like, are the doctors, you want to think that they always have your best interests in mind, but sometimes they can be influenced or corrupted in their own way. That is not for your best interests. Right. Patient, uh, profit over patient. We talked mm. about that. Oh, yeah. Something that really interested me about what Laura was saying was this notion that if the diet pill doesn't work, it's the consumer's fault. Yes. It's your fault. And I think that's such an interesting perspective from a consumer's point of view, because normally, I mean, there's a lot of consumer protection, right? Like they are goods are regulated. There's generally a company, if something is wrong, has to recall or they have to fix it, or there's at least a refund. But how in interesting for the companies to be able to say, well, you're just not doing it right. You're not committed or, you know, whatever. Like it's easy to put the blame on, on the consumer in this instance. Yes. If the pill doesn't work in any other case, like she, like Laura was saying, it would just the pill doesn't work right mm -hmm. but right. for this one it's like well you're doing it there's a human error here and you're right. like i don't know shouldn't the pill just work <laughs> right right it only becomes a problem if the pill starts killing people and even then they hide it until it becomes too big of a story yeah. which is why we had this whole episode right uh-huh so she said that misogyny racism and classism were all to blame the whole, the, I call that the unholy tr trinity. <laughs> I saw, I saw you write that. Not the holy trinity. Yeah, not the What did you say? Did you get it? I the got unholy it. trinity. Yes, yes I like that. It's not the holy because trinity. Because the it's holy the trinity. Unholy. Right, right. The, the ba bad baddie. It's a baddie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the bad And boys. not in a good way. The big bad three. Yeah. We three don't bad. pray to that trinity. No. <laughs> <laughs> the three stooges, I call them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, okay. Whatever can... anyone, whatever you call them. Right. You know, <laughs> people might have different names for these three. Uh, those are bad, and it... you want to run when those are heading your way. Yeah. <laughs> they're, the heavy, they're the heavy hitters that are hanging this... out. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. You see those three around the corner. Yeah, yeah you turn the other <laughs> way, walk around. Yeah. Um, I, it reminds me of, uh, I've said this before in the past, a saying my mom used to say growing up. It's a Spanish saying, uh, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are, right? Mm. And if your friends are misogyny, racism, racism and, and classism, classism, yikes. Yikes. <laughs> this is like the third trilogy in like a huge franchise where they've run out of ideas. So like the three bad guys from like the previous movies all got out and oh, they're all together yes. and they're all coming for you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they're like, alien, pill. alien, <laughs> pr alien predator and, uh, Freddy Krueger. Mm, all in one. Go. Yeah. Scary. Scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, I think she nailed it for this, right? Who did we put in jail? This, yeah, the idea of uh, uh, preying on people's or profiting on people's insecurities, which we definitely talked about in the original episode. Right, but I feel like we need to slap misogyny, racism, and classism. Sure. Right? Because yeah. I, I, I still like putting profit over patient, right? That's something you should never do. Mm -hmm, Human life, mm -hmm. you shouldn't put money over human life mm -mm, shame mm -mm. on you um but what did we end up slapping we slapped the drug regulator specifically right. afssaps which i get and, i get why 
Mm-hmm. But I just feel like we just need a round of slaps for misogyny, racism, and classism. Do you want to label it that, or do you want to call it the unholy trinity, as we've been joking oh, about? Yeah, let's call it the unholy trinity. Let's let's really uh, mark. Uh, are, are we? We're going to market that, right? <laughs> we're going <laughs> to. When people say the uh, when people say the holy trinity, you know what you're t- you know what they're talking about. But when they say the unholy trinity, you'll also know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay. So the unholy trinity: misogyny, racism, and classism. You're getting the big slap. Now I don't know what uh, sound effect uh, Maria, our editor, is going to put on this one, but perhaps it could be like cha 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 cha. I feel like a big cha-cha-cha, but also like kind of spooky religious music in the background. Not like good, (laughs) holy, but like kind of like the bad religious daunting. (laughs) These are all ideas. We can't afford to pay her too much more overtime, guys. We we need to keep it simple. (laughs) And if she, but if she hums, maybe she can hum a sort of religious... Well, we'll see. Let's see what what Maria comes up with. Oh, oh. So I feel really good about that. Um, I feel like we, I, I love talking to Laura about that. I could have talked about this with her, at, you know, for so long. Um, Clayton, before we go, I want to know how we're doing review wise, because I feel like this is a good opportunity. It's a new year. It's a new us. It's 2023. Have you rated, reviewed and subscribed? Question mark. Have you? Um, I don't know. And only you can answer that. But Clayton, are there any new reviews that can maybe um, give uh, our listeners an idea of what they can uh, leave behind? Yes, I can. We have one. Uh, Our most recent from HKFP, five stars, so interesting and funny. And they say, not that I'm a Scrooge, but it's harder for podcasts to make me laugh. But this one gets me every time, especially the Tilikum episode, even though it was truly heartbreaking. I'm a history nut, so this is so intriguing. I would love to hear an episode done over Tsar Nicholas II and the Romanov dynasty coming to to an end. I love that suggestion. And in mm-hmm. fact, I've already put it on our list. Um, I, there you I, go. That's great. Um, so, so there you go. There you have it. Uh, a review that one can leave in 2023. A review and a suggestion. They're killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. There you go. So happy new year, everyone. Uh, if you haven't already do, done so, you're allowed to, you know, remember the entire month of January, you're allowed, you can come up with your resolution and maybe your resolution is not to have a resolution this year. You know, yeah. why, why hold on tight? Uh, to to something, you know, just play. Maybe your resolution is to play it by ear. Right. Maybe your resolution is to like have a res- resolution in like July when you're like yeah. not even in this headspace. <laughs> That's good. good for you. That still works because we should. Resolutions are forever. They're not just for January. You know. <laughs> yes. Yes. There you go. Um. Uh. But please, please, please don't make it to take diet pills. And stay tuned because next week we're going to be discussing the Dietlov Pass. Erios. Powered by ACAST.
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.